Alright, well, uh, in that case, why don't we just uh, say welcome to the Mistakes Were Made podcast. Uh, recording today with us is uh, myself, Al, Rudy, and Justin again. We're so Ken, close to getting Ken back. Ken's out being... Okay, we've made progress. We have had conversations with him. We had set up a day and then it kind of... But he would be here today except that he is a social justice warrior and he's meeting with... A, what did he call him? The rebellion? The, the resistance? <laughs> the resistance. Yeah, he's, uh, he's out making change. So that's And I good. support that. I am for him resisting... uh cool Uh, one thing though is that uh if you guys downloaded the last episode and it's only seven minutes long we republished it afterwards so you can delete it and re-download it and listen if i know some people had problems with that if they downloaded it in the first like 12 hours before we realized what was going on there was Uh, an upload error that then turned into an rss feed error basically but uh go back and re-download that and check it out Unless you don't want uh, to listen to it, which yeah, is it's, it, it was mediocre at best. Ken wasn't there. It was, there. It was, it was uh, the same <laughs> mistakes from your quality you're used to. <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, I did actually play a game against Ken this week, so you know he's back in the states, and uh, we had a good time there on Wednesday night on some Vassal. Uh, that was really good. It was good to play again. We just played a 35-stone game because uh, we're not the most experienced vassal players and we didn't want to be there for five hours. 35-stone game took us like three hours, which, you know, still Ooh. really long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I should figure out how to use vassal. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it works. It does its thing, you know. Uh, the I got to say that the other side module for the playtest is really nice uh, and the... M2E1 is not as nice. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> that, that out there. That would be why I need to use or learn how to use Vassal. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've done a real good job with the playtest ones. So because people the... who are backers get to do playtesting stuff now, right? Yeah, they're gonna get. I assume they they'll be able to use the Vassal playtest module. I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah, it's real nice. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, the other side Kickstarter is closed now, so. Uh, does anybody have that pulled up with the final totals there? It's at 330, something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a, a decent last uh, stretch push there. Got us up uh, a few more stretch goals in the last day, which was nice. And uh, now we just have to wait for our stuff to show up. Like, $337,488. Yeah, it's not bad. We're still uh, <laughs> a little shy off of the 375 uh, stretch goal that gives us, uh, what are those, champions? The champions unlocked? Yeah. Well, the, get them, getting them for free for the uh, for the pledgers there. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. the, but you, can, you can add them on right now. But Yeah. The other thing is that in the updates, uh, we had announced that uh, once their pledge manager goes live, live people that... Uh, back in there are going to get added to the stretch goals. So that's kind of nice of them to uh, keep those open. And anyone who adds to their thing to buy more stuff as they're going through, that will will also probably add to it, right? Yeah, they'll get 
Yeah, so if you yeah, even if it's not a new backer, they'll still add to the stretch goals. Especially they're going to go off their total from backer kit for goals, not just, you know, uh what was in the campaign. So that's kind of <coughs> nice of them. Meaning we might be able to get some more free models if people uh right. stick with it. So if we get up to like we said, if we get to 375, we'll get the uh uh, champion level model, and if we get to 400, which is just a, a short little one after that, uh, we'll get another adjunct, which is yeah. cool. I don't take us up to three, I think. Yeah, it takes up. We, we're currently at two unlocked. Yeah, so not um, a couple extra free models okay. already. So, oh man, what? Yeah, a couple extra free models already. The other big thing yeah. is that they added the uh, syndicate models. As add-ons for backers, oh, and they are in the last uh, in the last day there, they added those, so that pushed a bunch yeah. of things. Uh, yep. So, look forward to seeing those. Uh, they those just had art for them. They didn't show actual sculpts or uh, renders, did they? They did show some renders. Oh, they did. Okay. Not, not. Uh, oh no, you're right. They just showed art, but the art looks great. Yeah. Um, and they said that you could have up to two of each of them. So Justin and I were looking at it, and Justin, we're, we're on dual commander. You have to be a dual commander or above. Like a single commander doesn't have the ability to buy them, I guess. Um, but dual commander and above can. And so Justin and I each wanted one of the one that we were going to get. So I wanted Nguyen. Nguyen. Uh, and he wanted the other one, whose name I don't remember. Samantha Thrace. That's the one, Thrace. And, uh, and I was like, you know, we, we should probably just... If this is anything like Hannah and, and Through the Breach, um, we should probably just get as many of those things as we can. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself. You know, like, the, yep. you could probably sell them and recoup a little bit. Exactly. I, or, they cost 25 I mean, on the, uh, for the backers, they cost 25 bucks. And I'm, I'm just looking at the art, I got to imagine that they're going to be real pretty. up there, yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, Justin and I added to our, pledge at the end of it all and uh justin wanted to add some cult to his thing so i made a second uh pledge that had the <laughs> cult on it so he can play in in a, a malifaux thing so he might just need that syndicate model for himself really you know yeah yeah i think between the two of us we're up to like 900 dollars or something wow i don't know if it's that high but it's close <laughs> like 740 and then you added a single commander jesus or something Oh, I, all I right. I like... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's anyway. exciting. Uh... <laughs> uh, we're 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 power backers. I'm a power. Yep, hitter. we're doing our bit for it. Yep. My poor uh... wallet. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you don't want to back, but you want those limited models, find someone who has a dual commander pledge and give them the money for them. But <laughs> I don't know that they haven't decided they want to buy all four. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you can't yeah. have ours unless you're willing to pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll see what happens when it delivers and, uh, <laughs> that'll right, determine the, uh, yep. December, hopefully December, 2017. <laughs> it's a Kickstarter. So that's true. How's uh, your bones Kickstarter doing? I don't know. They was, they said the stuff was on a boat. It's Chinese new year yesterday though. So, uh, you have no idea. <laughs> I worked at Chinese new year's year, event yesterday. Year of the cock. Yep. Uh, rooster, rooster. Yeah, rooster. I think is the <laughs> preferred term. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the uh, 
Bones is not delivered yet, no. So we'll see <laughs> eventually. I don't mean to rub it in. A guy, a guy at the game store the other day was talking about how he was playing Frostgrave and he was using a lot of uh, Bones Kickstarter's minis. And I was like, oh, what, they finally delivered? He's like, well, I mean, Bones Kickstarter 1 has delivered and Bones yeah. Kickstarter 2 is... Uh... <laughs> Mostly delivered. I'm on 3, so... <laughs> yeah, a little while, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, we'll see it eventually. I have, I have faith that eventually I'll get those, those models and uh, terrain stuff. Uh, I actually did get a 3D, my 3D printer I kickstarted two years ago that delivered, so that's cool. I've been printing out some barrel terrain as test you know, models. We could do mistakes were made as a Kickstarter podcast. Oh, it'd be perfect. It makes sense, <laughs> There's right? There's so many, so many mistakes on Kickstarter. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Just a review of the, uh, Shitty Kickstarter Reddit page. How <laughs> mistakes were made could literally be any podcast, which is why very frequently we make the joke, welcome to Mistakes Were Made, uh, insert podcast subject here, podcast. It's like we did, I was t- I was uh, joking about doing a hip-hop podcast. So welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a hip-hop podcast. It works. It works. Anyway, sorry. So send in your suggestions for other uh, subjects yeah. we should do on the podcast. Dude. Dude, we could do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could Have be a, a podcast. Whoever wins gets network. to choose what we're discussing for a day, and then we <laughs> do some research and discuss it. Twenty-minute segment just called the non sequitur. Yeah. Or so off topic. Be terrible, terrible things because the internet is a terrible, terrible place. Exactly. Yep. That's the fun. So, uh, speaking of games. I uh, heard you played some games, Rudy. You want to talk about those I briefly? Play a couple of games. I played a couple of games. I played one last Friday, and I played one uh, since we're recording on a Sunday, day before yesterday, so Friday and the Friday before that. Uh, and both of the games went pretty similarly, where I was playing Ten Thunder, and I was testing out Yasunori because he's uh, he's new to my roster, and I was excited to play him. So I played my... Uh, Jacob Lynch list that was almost perfect sell. Uh, I had Yasunori, two illuminated uh, Thunder's brother. Um, and who was the? Oh, I brought a sniper, I think. And uh, I, I was going up against Yan Lo, and uh, I sort of surprised him with how strong Yasunori was able to, to be and how quickly. Um, so that game, that game, I think that game ended on, I think turn three, maybe turn four, early turn four. Uh, it was versus Yan Lo and he had used Yin and I always want to try and kill Yin as quickly as possible. So basically both times I went, all right, cool. I'm going to activate this thing that has recalled training. I'm going to discard recalled training and make a charge on Yin and make sure it counts because massive viscera is real hard to get around. Um, so yeah, basically I just, I, I, I used that to get around the, the massive viscera thing to make sure it died and died early. Um, and so my second game, which is the one two days ago, I had done uh, a fairly similar list, except I didn't want to play as, uh, Jacob Lynch anymore, not because I don't like it, because I wanted to try it out in other things. And so I ended up going with, uh, oh, no, I know this. I got this. It was Asami. 
I did Asami with Yasunori and Ohaguro. It was a it was a really really elite list uh, with the idea that I was going to do a bunch of summoning. It was in Headhunter, so I was bringing stuff that was relatively tough. Um, so it was Yasunori, Shadow Emissary, um, the the Ohaguro with feast, uh, the one that lets her eat people, uh, and a an illuminate with five models, Asami being the fifth. And it was sort of the same thing. Uh, he played down low again. He sent um, Yin up the board. He had a he had a was it a no? It was a it was a trapper, a guild pathfinder. Yep. Um, and I just like I moved the shadow emissary forward. I focused when and got a double focus and just like nuked him from across the board, dead in one attack because I had Red Joker to cheat and did up did full damage. Then Ohaguro charged up, just pitched recalled training and beat the crap out of Yin, killed her. Uh, he pushed Toshiro and some Ashigaru up. Uh, he lightning danced in with um, Yanlo to keep me from picking up heads for Headhunter. And it was an interesting play because he sort of jumped and then jumped again. And then he didn't have any AP left to pick up a head in turn two. So my move was activate Asami, use her hair to yank him out of position, and then zero action heavenly designed to place myself next to a head and grab it anyway, um, which was kind of awesome. Her her ability to, like, she, she seems so active for a summoner, right? Like, when I look at Molly, Molly can summon or she can do these, like, uh, I feel like you, my relationship with summoners has usually been they've got summoning or one other thing, right? Um, Nicodem summons or throws stuff and heals people and keeps monsters from being slow. Uh, Dreamer. Dreamer's got some movement shenanigans and he, the chompy, but and he can summon if you take the upgrade, whatever. Uh, but she can summon, she can give things focus, she can attack and eat people, she can movement shenanigans, she can destroy scheme markers and heal herself. She like she's got a she's got a really, really big toolkit. Uh, which is why I like her as much as I do. Yeah, you just listed a bunch of stuff. That's real good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So yeah, no, the, the game the game was fun, the game went well for me and uh yeah. And how was the Yas Asami's how did the Yasunori treat you? I mean, Shadow Shadow Emissary is really good, even yeah. though Taylor insists that they're terrible and they're a waste of stones. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Yeah, there's there's no uh, there's no defense mechanism there." And I was like, "Right, but you're talking about how good Yasunori is. It's the same boat." And he's like, "Well, no, Yasunori's got, uh, you know, he he he's I'm like, well, he's worth more. You have to pay twelve stones instead of ten. Okay. Well, and the Shadow Emissary has uh, the ability to regen. Well, regen's really weak. And it's like, okay, sure. Uh, but Yasunori gets to draw cards when they, when they take damage. He's got a couple more wounds, but he doesn't have anything keeping him from dying. It's like, well, you've got Soul Stones. It's like Yasunori is an enforcer. He does not have Soul Stones. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> so I was like, it sounds right. to me like you have a problem with glass cannons. And you need to get over that because glass cannons are great. I mean, yes, they're, they they may be swingy, but the potential is there. You know, Speaking one of things, needs no defense against a dead opponent. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of things that we didn't know were henchmen or enforcers, I realized 
the other day that Archie is actually a henchman. For some reason, I thought he was an enforcer. I was going to bring him versus Ken, and then we decided to do 35 stones, and I was not ready to commit the 13 stones for that, but I was ready to try him out, so. He looks so fun. <laughs> yeah, he does look <laughs> fun. Not, you know, like half my list fun, though. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so, and we were playing Interference, so. Yeah, that was a fun game we had. It was uh it ended up being pretty lopsided uh in my favor. I I went with a bunch of stuff I'm very familiar with because I haven't played that much this last year. So uh I did Seamus with uh Sybil, Herodin, uh Flesh Construct, Necropunk, and a uh uh just completely unusable rotten bell. Now that they've been oh, it's garbage but, uh, now, right? Uh, I, <laughs> so that was my list, and then he was playing uh, Riva, who I've never seen before on the table. Uh, with uh, he had the three shield bearers and Vincent, and a canine remains. He brought a canine remains because that's the uh, to fill out the list. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, we played on the vassal there. We had a an interesting map with lots and lots of terrain and hallways and stuff. So, uh, my big thing was like, uh, we took frame for murder now that it's on the, uh, suit there instead of the number. It's, it happens a lot often, I guess. And I took that on Harridan, who is, uh, often targeted and, uh, likes to get beat up and killed. So I thought that was a good option. And then it almost backfired on me. Because it was, it got to the point where I split the table, and Harridan was by himself defending a Necropunk, who was getting me lots of points for uh, leave your mark, and uh, everybody else was on the other side of the table, and Riva was in the middle, and I had to like hope that Ken charged one way, and he did, so that was my lucky draw there. Hmm. Uh, he so if he had went the other way, it would have been like uh, Harridan's gonna chase Riva around, hoping that she kills him, and. Uh, <laughs> But nope, she came in and murdered him, and she can do that. She's pretty good at it. Yeah. It's, uh, min damage three there. Yeah. Uh, her crazy ethereal charge thing. That was really fun to see. In fact, uh, she can swing from basically anywhere. Yep. Yeah, no. Basically anywhere else. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, Necropunk managed to get me some extra points there. And then uh, Seamus summoning. That was the one thing that Reva drops a ton of corpse markers. So, uh, oh yeah, all the bells. Yeah, so I, I mean, they're summon. hardly worth summoning now, right? Well, I summoned a dead Doxy, but yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> much yeah. better value there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, but uh, the bell did uh, not wasn't wasn't completely terrible. They still still hold their own at five at uh, seven and seven on the defense and the cast. Oh, so. Garbage. They, uh, yeah, so that was fun. It was good to play against uh, Ken. Hopefully, we can get him on the cast in the future. And, uh, oh, man, I missed that guy. Play some more games. No, no offense, Justin. I mean, I, I think in my perfect world, we would have Justin and Ken, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the idea is that we, we have, you know, a good mix. We don't care who's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two people chatting is fun to listen to, but more opinions, more conflict. Especially if we're <laughs> going to do debates, you know, we need 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 a third person. 
Yeah. If we just so debated yeah. ourselves well, without. Even, have, even for, like if you did four people, you could have two people debate and then two other people debate and then declare winner. And then <laughs> you can have like, you could do a little uh, two round tournament debate club thing. Yeah. Or, or just have a have couple moderators or, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's all fun. So next up, I think what we'll do is uh, have a couple of debate topics here. We we missed out on that the last episode, so I think we'll uh, or did we? I don't remember. We no, we, we did not. We we ha- I think we skipped them last uh, episode, so we're gonna do a Maybe couple. Last two episodes. I think we did. We've done like one out of two episodes, so we're gonna try and uh, get through a few more topics. See what uh, people have to think about them. Uh, let me look. All right. So to remind people. One of the two debaters will take the uh, pro and the other one will take the con. And then uh, they have to debate and then they'll each get an opening statement, some back and forth where they question their opening statements and then uh, closing remarks. And then we'll uh, figure out whose argument was better. So uh, let's go for it. So who wants to be the pro on this first one? Nobody? Those right, are both I'll good. Be, uh, excuse me, I'll be pro. It's hard to know whether I want to be pro or con before I know the topic, but I guess that's sort of the point, eh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Having free PDF rules is good for miniatures games. And Rudy taking the pro. Go ahead, Rudy. Right. Uh, free PDFs for miniatures games. I think that this is a good idea. I think this is a fantastic idea. And this is actually true. Like, usually sometimes when I have to bullshit about whether or not I think it's a good idea or not, I kind of stretch for it. But in this case, I really do think that uh, at least at least the basics of the rules being available online is good. Because starting a miniatures game, start, like investing in it, is, is, is really hard to do. Because it costs quite a bit of, like, you've you got quite a bit of capital investment just to get started. you got to buy a, you know, $40, 50 $60 crew. You have to have a friend to buy a $40, 50 or $60 crew. You have to have a book. Uh, you know, all, all these different cards, markers, terrain, all of it. You know, you need all this stuff. And uh, the more that you can sort of give to your community to be able to try it before you buy it, the better, I think. Um, by making the rules available online free people can preview the system and see if it's something they're really interested in before they really start investing in the game. Now, from a capitalistic standpoint, that might not necessarily be the best thing because you want people to spend money on it. And even if they don't continue to play, you've got some, you've got some bucks out of them. But from a player standpoint, being able to see the rules and being able to like, even, you know, throw some paper dolls down on the table and test play a game to see if this is something you're, you're willing to get into uh, will only help foster better, relationships with the company and and longer term um players you know by having people who can test it you're going to know what you're getting into and be excited about it all right justin what do you got on the con there Mm, this is a tough one okay so yeah i can totally see a quick start version of the rules being available for free online that's that's easy enough to do it gives you an idea of what you're getting into but there is a lot of time and effort that goes into making a rule set so i mean creators should be rewarded for that 
And it's not just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into the models too, but with things like Vassal, if you have a rule set that's online for free and the ability to generate uh, models online for free, then you're, you're essentially taking something that somebody has made and playing it for, you know, entirely for free, and they're not seeing any return on that, which I don't think is necessarily fair to the creators, but... But I, I do concede that having some sort of vague semblance of the rules online for free so people have an idea of what they're buying into is a good thing. But there there should definitely be some sort of kickback to the people who made the system in the first place, because if there's no money in it, then why are you doing it? It costs money to get things published. It costs money to make models. You know, if it's if it's not profitable to do, then you might get a lot of fun out of this one game, but you might never see a second one or a revised edition or errata or edits even. Mm. Mm. I think that the oh, is it my turn to rebut? Yep, yep. Okay, I think that the the revenue gained off of uh, um, off of the the an online version of the game. For, for instance, the idea that you're, you're, you'll have people who play solely on Vassal and solely through uh, web rules um, is the the revenue gain there is is uh, web clicks. You know, you're going to get people who are going to your website in order to get these rule books. You're going to have people going to there to to get these rules. You're going to have the opportunity to advertise, advertise to them, and that's where sort of the the traffic will sort of offset the cost of of certain things. And also, I think the idea that people, once they play the game, if they fall in love with it and want to continue to play it, uh, playing live is always better, right? Like I I I play I've been playing a lot of uh, Android Netrunner recently, and uh, there's another just like just like uh, uh, Vassal. There's a way to play it online, and. Uh, it's actually very good because you can play with whatever cards. You don't have to buy the cards. You don't have to do anything. And it's not even run by Fantasy Flight, which is perhaps a little shady, whatever. Um, but the the by, by taking sort of this this online play into their own hands, they can monetize that. But also, playing live is always more fun. Like getting together with your friends and pushing models around the table and getting the opportunity to paint things and all these different things make the live play just plain up better. Uh, so if you have an online rule set and you have an online forum for playing the game, such as Vassal, people are going to play it, people are going to like it, and they're going to want to invest. That's my feeling. All right, Justin, you want to rebut anything Rudy's uh, brought up? Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I suppose having a online rule set for free, as long as they still have a printed version of the rules, because I don't really like reading PDFs for the most part. I much prefer to have a book in my hands that I can flip through and reference, because in the middle of a rules thing, in the middle of a game, it's aggravating to pull out your phone and dig through the PDF. Sure in order to figure out what rules you're disputing. It's like, where you can just flip through a book really quick. So I suppose if it's... if you, As long as you can still buy a hard copy book, I don't necessarily have a problem, but 
I do not think that the online free version of the rules should be anywhere near as fully functional as the books. Malifaux and its quick start rules that it provides online for free are a pretty good example where it gives you the rules, but you don't have the rules for any models. You still need to buy models and things to get uh, to be able to actually play the game, but it gives you a semblance of how the game is played. Right. I think the other interesting thing, like if if they had, if they wanted to make a quick start rule set, they could release a certain number of cards online for free, uh, so that you could have, you know, a five model thing versus a five model thing pretty easily. And they've already got the ability to uh, sell rule books and potentially uh, card boosters through Wargamers Vault, uh, so that they can make some revenue off of people having to buy cards to continue to, to sort of play the game past this introductory experience, right? Because you need the cards to play this game. And if you're only getting a certain limited amount of access to the cards, they could be monetizing the, the, that information, make the rules themselves a little bit free, and then, and then make people pay out the notes for the PDFs. Maybe not out the notes. It's not a, it's not a, yeah. <laughs> uh, step too far. I apologize. Make people pay a fair price for the design that they did. And uh, and then they can play whatever, however they want. Right. And by making tournaments uh, and and gaining ground style games, um, weird only models, they're guaranteeing that people are going to want to buy their games if they want to play competitively on the national scene. But if you just want to play it in your garage, you know, you buy the rules, you buy the cards, and then you push some minis that you have around, you know? Yeah, online rule sets are no substitute for having a tangible one, but they have their place. I agree with you. Actually, it actually brings up something interesting that I had been thinking about for the uh, the other side Kickstarter. Um, there was a stretch goal where the book got upgraded from a paperback to a hardback. I'm not certain. I I mean, I'm excited to get a hardbound copy of it, but it's harder to. Yeah, I would prefer to have a. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was. That's a good point with the hardback. You kind of almost want the. uh, Yeah. I don't know. Depend. I mean, I've had. It depends on the hardback type and quality and size and everything. So, just the ability to quickly pull it out and reference it without you know having to worry about like you know, this heavy book that's you know. The hope it's is they nice. follow suit with what they did for Malifaux, and they have the hardbacks that's got the fluff in it, and then they create a softback, small bound, quick rules yeah. book that you can get to just carry around in your bag. Yep. Hopefully. Speaking of, I need to replace my small book because I've been carrying around the big, the big original M2E with all the cards and all the yeah. fluff in it, and it's like way too much book to have to carry around all the time. Yep. Okay, so uh, I one, definitely agree with yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, one thing to uh, that I wanted to touch on that I don't think you guys didn't get to was like uh, sort of uh, the Osprey rules and how they're published without model. You know, they don't, that's a model where they don't sell models really; they just yeah. sell rules. And the thing is, you know, when you're it having the thing in print, I guess gives you kind of a feeling of like, oh, someone put the time and effort and the care into this enough to get it printed and they think it's worth, you know, the time and the money to do that. Whereas, you know, anybody can just publish rules online and without any, you know, sort of uh, quality control, obviously, 
Like, you know, we could write a rule system right now in the next 20 minutes and publish it. Let's do it. Whereas if oh, someone sorry. sees it in a book, they're like, oh, this is like a real thing. This company obviously believes in this rule set. Maybe I should give it a try. So I don't know how big of yeah, a factor point. that is on people's purchases, but. Mistakes were made. A game design yeah. podcast. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I know like just the fact that like, if, you know, so if someone links you to a thing and it's like, oh, there's a $15 book for sale, you know, obviously someone thought it was worth doing. <laughs> You know, it's not a half measure. But that's that. All right. Well, that was nice. Nice to hear. Get back in the debate swing. Get warmed up again. You guys ready to do one more, maybe? Sure. Sure. All right, I got to find one. Uh, you, you get to choose this time. Uh, Justin, would you like to be the pro or the con? I'll be four. You're going to be the pro for the next one. All right. Let me just pick a debate topic here. It's only uh, fair to switch sides. Can't yeah, be against yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. you can, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a good one. Oh, that one's out of date. I have to update it. Anyway. Uh, this one will be fun. Hiring multiple small activations is superior to hiring elite-based crews. So hiring well, uh, a, a lot of models is uh, is superior to hiring an elite-based crew with very few models. It would depend on the schemes and strategies, I would say, as always. But in general, activation control is a very strong advantage to have. I mean, there's a reason that the rat engine was banned for everyone but Hamlin. Or, I guess not banned, but errated into non-existence. Because just it's if you outactivate your opponent enough, it allows you to play your own game regardless of what they're doing, and that that is a significant advantage to have if you're playing what make them suffer or some equivalent to that. I don't know if there's one in seventeen. Then yeah, I can see why having an elite base crew would be better, but. Even so, you might just give up those three points in order to score your 10 uncontested, largely. There's If, if you can squeak in another model for an equivalent uh, effectiveness, there's rarely any reason not to do that. All right, Rudy, do you have any opening statements on why elite crews are better? I have been finding more and more that elite crews built the correct way can stand up against multiple activation crews. Um, and this is one of those ones where it's like the personal experience kind of thing. It's going to sound very, um, uh, your, your mileage may vary kind of thing, but uh, Dan started playing this list that was, I think five activations at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the game that would, and this was when, this was when, um, freaking uh hunting party was on the table as this thing that you can just basically assume is going to be on the board 50 50 chance if not more uh but really what's happening is is when you when you hire an elite small strong crew is you're getting a really good beater uh who usually have pretty decent 
ability to stand up to things because you're spending more points per model, which means you got to be stronger either at deleting models or staying on the table or both. And what you're what you want to do is just take out the priority targets that that are keeping you keeping them with activation control. You try and take out lots of targets in, in, in any given turn, and eventually you're going to turn that uh, activation control around on them because. And this is another one of those things where it's a your mileage may vary. I played a uh, minion heavy 14 model uh, McCabe crew in guild. And uh, I was down to eight by the end of turn two. And I was down to four by the end of turn three. And I was off the table by the end of turn five. It was against Colette who was running Colette. Uh, Corfi Duet, uh, Howard Langston, and uh, I believe a December Acolyte, and that was it, right? He was running he heavy, hard-to-kill, uh, good sort of glass cannony models, and I wasn't able to do enough damage, even with my uh, extreme activation control, to, to stop what he, his plans were. So I think that... I, I honestly typically think that uh, the balance is where you want to be. I think we both are sort of like, because Justin's being pro and I'm being con, we, we are arguing for one or the other, but we're both sort of taking a step back and pushing for the center because we both agree. I would say, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, that you want a good balance of things that are going to keep your activations high while also still having that elite force. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. But for the thought experiment, elite's better, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it depends on what you're filling your crew with. If it's just uh, Mel or guild hounds or something, then yeah, they're all going to die. Guild hounds. You fill your crew with field was, reporters, though. Guild hounds, wastrels, and uh, I think ostringers. Pre rata well, yeah, wastrels. Wastrels are great. They've got healing, they've got range attacks, they've got melee attacks. What's, what's not to love? Waste right in their name. It just says only no. <laughs> wow. Waste All right. points more oh like. Alright. <laughs> well played. Well played. Touche. Touche. Oh, well that topic kind of fizzled a little bit. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I, it's a hard I one. I think the problem is with the topic is that and this it's it's become the blanket answer. Anytime anyone says, "Do you do uh, X in your crew build or Y in your crew build?" And the answer is uh, both. Yeah. Well, that was a. There is a balance. Not really, yeah. Seven or eight models is usually a good thing to shoot for. I'm going between I... five and seven. Yeah. Like my smallest crew is five models, and that's what I'm playing. Like, and usually I'll have some way to. Her models, like with Toshiro and uh, Command the Graves, or Asami in general, um, or I'm going to six that are relatively tough. Like I love Illuminated at seven points, and I love Ten Thunders Brothers at five points because they're tough. They are hard to put down, even by like elite models. So that you have to spend more AP to put them down, which leaves them on the table longer, right? Yeah. So I can play smaller lists without losing, sort of keeping pace in my in my activation count. Mm -hmm. I think that that's also going to be determined by your faction a lot of times too. Like that's also true. Really, like in Rezzers, you can do small activation crews that are going to stay on the table, and or no, a lot of activation. You know, uh, lots of small activations. Uh, couple bells, couple yeah. Well, my one of my favorite lists I played with Big Morning was the 
like two or three flesh constructs, two or three guild autopsies and two bells. And that's, you know, not even, that's like half your points. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, between the bells and, uh, and, uh, McMorning and just everything, there was, the trick was you just get person down to like two cards in hand and then make them discard the last two with the rotten bells or a grave spirit. And then, uh, you get another five activations or so, depending on how many autopsies and flesh constructs are still alive. I so, remember that game. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> was that when I was playing? Oh, it was on a. Was it on Vassal? I played that list a, a bit. I played so. Tashiro. I was just getting into. Uh, no, I played. I was playing Thunders because I had played Izamu. I remember. I remember this game. We were playing in the sewers map. Yep. You've probably crazy. done it a few times by now, but yeah, that's yeah. When I Good times. Yeah, I play Outcasts and Guild, which tend to run toward more expensive yeah, models. So. so I'm sometimes struggling to fit seven in there. Yeah, and I think I mean it depends on your top end models. Like some factions just have better hard hitters like better that. Leads, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like the Thunders. I, oh man, yeah, no, the Thunders are so varied that you can do it effectively. Yeah, I don't think any faction is required to do one or the other now that you know the rat engine is banned or ratted <laughs> so cool all rat right engine is fixed yes it was, it was corrected yep cool all right guys well it was fun doing a couple of debates this is a kind of a short episode today but uh, we wanted to get something out there, and uh, we, we just lucky enough to, to have sure Justin uh, here. Your... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> You're fine. Go what? What were you gonna say, Rudy? We just wanted to make sure that you had your chance to listen to Al's sultry voice. Yeah. <laughs> As I said to Ken, I'm, me and Ken were both sick on uh, Wednesday, which is part of the reason we didn't record then. So, uh, w- but it was it would have been really impressive between me coughing and him coughing and. Rudy probably would have went insane if we did. So that's, <laughs> but, uh, I was on the, I was on the bus the other day. This isn't, this is a non sequitur. That's fine. I was on the bus the other day and I was on my way to playing a D and D game. And I was just, I was standing in the thing waiting for the door to open. And there's this woman who is standing or sitting in a chair right behind the exit door. You know how there's the, the entrance on the front, and the exit on the back. Um, and, uh, and she was just like, grouping and and hacking and she wasn't covering her mouth at all and it was just constant and it was like people were afraid to get off the bus because they knew they had to walk through this germ cloud that was slowly but surely filling and finally we got to my exit and i got off my exit and these two guys got off the exit with me and we got off and about 15 seconds down the road one of them was like jesus christ just cover your fucking mouth god I was like, thank you, thank you. I feel, oh, God, it, it, it felt gross to be standing there, and I wanted to say something, but I did Anyway, so that was my that was my moment for going crazy because of coughing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome well, to Mistakes Were Made, a social judgment uh, podcast. <laughs> and on that note, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, Justin, for joining us again on a Sunday morning here. And uh, we'll talk at you guys later. Follow us on Twitter at MWM Podcast.
I'm about to. That's why we're wrapping up so quick. <laughs> I was I was gonna start like if we we had originally planned to start at 10:30 and I wanted to start the episode with uh, I've got my uh, glass of whiskey. 30 it's 10:30. Okay, that's the